This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with Melanie Weishart. People's level of familiarity with the term reflective practice. And that was like a little bit lower. Like people said they were like somewhat familiar. I mean, there were, there was people all over, you know, the, but there was like very, the options were very familiar, somewhat familiar, um, somewhere in the middle, I think, <laughs> like unfamiliar, somewhat unfamiliar, whatever. And a lot of people said that it were either somewhat familiar. Uh, actually, that was that was the leading response. They were like somewhat familiar with the term or like somewhat unfamiliar. But almost 80 percent of people said that they responded, that they uh, practice reflective, pra- engage in reflective practice regularly. So more people are engaging in it after I gave them the definition, like I gave them the definition and then asked what, you know, do you do it? So we're doing it. We're just not calling it that. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. And you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Today is day day two, (laughs) part two of my conversation with Melanie Weishart. And today is the part of our conversation where we talked about a lot of the really positive parts and uh, benefits of reflective practice, of engaging and reflective practice. And we also touched on um, why it's important to know how, if, when, why we are engaging in reflective practice because it enhances our awareness to know when other people aren't. And I briefly shared about um, a personal experience I've had with a colleague who left a position they loved and, you know, I can't speak to them, but from what I saw, a lot of it was because the team that this colleague was serving on was not engaging in reflective practice. And so, he was always at odds with um, what was going on and trying to support the students and the staff and not just not seeing eye to eye on like what changes need to be made or what areas of growth there needed to be. And so by knowing like if I was in a position like that, 
hey, are my team members not aware that reflective practice is a thing? And like, should I be bringing this to them and saying, hey, how can we do this together? Or are they aware and just not willing to go there right now? Whether that be, you know, um, just blatantly not willing to do it or not having the time or energy and you know is this a way that I can support them so we can work as a team or is this like you know the end of the road here where we're just not seeing eye to eye and that's not going to change and one of us needs to make a decision that's best and that could be leaving so um anyway kind of a heavy topic for the lighter of these two episodes but uh for me was definitely an eye-opener um of how to look at situations like that so I hope you enjoy part two of my conversation with Melanie if you missed part one please go check it out it was last week's episode don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes and I'll see you on the other end of this one So, so tell us some of, we'll, we'll flip it. Some of the, yeah. I don't want to say like positive outcomes of your research, but maybe yeah. something that surprised benefits. you benefits. Yeah. 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 The cool stuff. Um, it was, oh gosh, there's so much, there's so much good stuff. What do I start with? Perceived benefits. I made a word cloud of all the, so I had the open-ended questions where like, what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? What are the barriers? And then like just additional thoughts. I just opened it up for anybody to say anything that they hadn't got to say yet in the survey. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it was the benefits. I I made a word cloud for each of those just to see like what it was a different way of looking at the data, you know? Um, And in this word cloud, I wish our listeners could see it right now, but I will describe it to you. It's a bunch of words, obviously. (laughs) That's what a word cloud is. Uh, It's a bunch of words. Front and center, bold and big, it says client. Hmm. And the next two um, biggest ones and boldest ones are better, help, improve, and process. And I just love that, that the client is front and center in all that we do. And that just makes me really fulfilled as, as a therapist, as a researcher, and like a part of this community, um, that that is our focus. And that was so, that was just so clear, so clearly demonstrated in their comments. So that was only, that was just pulled out of, you know, that the words, you know, the computer just pulled out those words and clients showed up more often than any other word in the benefits. And so that was, uh, I reckon, or I pulled out one, two, three, four, five, six themes with the perceived benefits. And there were sub themes to each of them, but, um, the biggest overall theme was increased understanding of the music therapy process and therapeutic moments with clients. Um, so everything was like, just all about the client and, our time together, meaning making came up a lot in that, like a sub theme of that uh, relationship with the client, the client's needs, the client's benefits, how the client benefits when we engage in reflective practice, um, clarity in processing events from the session and the broadening perspectives 
and shifting our lens in the therapy mm. session. I was like, really cool stuff. Like I could take each one of these and just do like a whole like talk on just one. <laughs> like there's so much here. Um, the second theme was personal self-care for the therapist. Yay, we need it. <laughs> uh, and that, in that were a lot of different things that I just kind of grouped together, like improved well-being and health and quality of life for the therapist. Uh, stress reduction, uh, prevention and reduction of burnout, uh, grounding and calming regulation. Uh, somebody said reset, really like that reset. Um, empowerment, autonomy, agency in the workplace. I love how like all of these words came about motivation, boundary setting, uh, musical and creative space for the self. I love that cathartic release and establishing a therapeutic environment, just maintaining the therapeutic environment itself. It's really cool stuff. Uh, and then we had another theme, professional growth and development. It was like learning and gaining new insights and skill development, um, the nuts and bolts, I think, you know, more of that side. Uh, but also just so many people, like this came up over and over again. So many people just said, it makes me a better therapist. I love that. It just makes me a better therapist. Yes. Love it. Uh, enhanced quality of care. Like it, it enhances, you know, the, the quality of care that I give. Uh, development of clinical intuition, empathy, compassion, presence, and intentionality. I loved all of those things came up. The next theme uh, was enhanced, enhanced self-awareness, which is kind of they kind of bleed into each other, spaghetti, not waffles, right? <laughs> uh, recognizing and honoring our own emotions, emotional processing, acknowledging and addressing bias came up a lot in that one. Um, and working with countertransference. And mm. then effective treatment planning was the fifth uh, theme. And it was like planning for future sessions, improving patient client outcomes, uh, problem solving and generating new ideas and getting, getting inspired. Like somebody said inspiration. And then the last one was peer support, feeling supported by trusted colleagues, uh, value of collective knowledge and supervision, um, and prevention of isolation. So those were like all the perceived benefits of it. And it was really neat to just to see that word cloud of client front and center. And so many people just saying, it makes me a better therapist. Yeah. Um, it, up to you, if you're comfortable, like sharing uh -huh. that visual, we can put it in the show notes if you want. Oh, no absolutely. Yes. But I'll share, I'll share every word cloud I made. Cool. I made that one be really for cool each. for people. Yeah. I made one for each of the open-ended questions. I can share the themes too. I put them in a little handy chart. So yeah. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'd be happy to do that. I, there are so many of those. And like you said, spaghetti, not waffles for sure. Um, <laughs> Let me, let me get my thought into words. So many of those are things that make us as helping professionals very unique. I think, mm -hmm. you know, not everyone, this isn't the work for everyone and that's okay. You know, where many of us are not made to do other jobs where we would not thrive in. And so mm -hmm. I think that it's beautiful how you were able to highlight some of the strengths we have as a community, as a profession and say like, these are things that are important for us to do. We're already good at them mm. uh, and they are enhancing what we're able to do clinically and just, you know, finding ways to make 
the reflective process more accessible and one of the things that keeps coming up to mind as we go we've, we've gone through this conversation is if someone has not had a supervisor like you had who was able to probe in the right way and ask the right questions and to shift your perspective about um, recording versus reflection, mm. they might not even have been like aware of this or like, are they doing it or are they not doing it and how it can expand their practice. Just like you said, you were finally able to see like, oh, I'm burnt out because like, I'm not able to work authentically. And, mm -hmm. you know, someone else in this position would th really thrive, but I'm not. And it it's not because I'm wrong or anyone else is wrong or music therapy isn't right for me or like any of these other things that we could tell ourselves, but yeah. it's because someone asked the right questions for you to say, to get the right answers yeah. from yourself. Yeah. It starts with asking questions, you know, mm -hmm. to each other, to ourselves. Um, yeah. Ah, Yes. Well, and something that was interesting that came about that I actually expected or I predicted would I expect, but I predicted would come about did in the research. Um, when I've presented before I did my research, I presented this at like just the idea of reflective practice and how to implement it into your clinical practice at three, I think, different conferences mm -hmm. and the anecdotal evidence and this goes in kind of my review of literature, like we don't have a lot, but I have anecdotal evidence from conferences <laughs> where people said, yeah, people were like, oh, what is reflective practice? And I would explain it or like describe it. And they're like, oh yeah, I do that. I didn't mm -hmm. know that I did that. It's cool to have a word to put to it <laughs> um, and a definition, you know, of like awareness of like what I'm doing while I'm doing it, you know? Um, and a lot of people, and, and that was that exact. So I, I predicted that that would come about. And so I asked um, in the kind of quantitative portion of the, of the survey, I asked um, people's level of familiarity with the term reflective practice. And that mm -hmm. was like a little bit lower. Like people said they were like somewhat familiar. I mean, there were, there was people all over, you know, the, but there was like very, the options were very familiar, somewhat familiar, um, somewhere in the middle, I think, <laughs> like unfamiliar, somewhat unfamiliar, whatever. And a lot of people said that it were either somewhat familiar. Uh, actually, that was that was the leading response. They were like somewhat familiar with the term or like somewhat unfamiliar. But mm. almost 80% of people said that they responded that they uh, practice reflective, pra engage in reflective practice regularly. So more people are engaging in it after I gave them the definition, like I gave them mm. definition and then asked, what, you know, do you do it? So we're doing it. We're just not calling it that, which goes back to the terminology thing that there's, um, just different terms for things. And we might not call it, give it a name, but it's just like, and some people put that in the comments too. They're like, that's just how I practice. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. just what I do. It's just what I'm integral to, to my clinical practice is doing this. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's what we want. Like that's, that's best practice right there. Um, and the same thing happened. A really interesting takeaway was education. People said far and away, I think 90 something percent of people, I wish I had the exact numbers in front of me. I don't, and I, I, I could look them up right here, but I don't want to take time to do that. Um, it was like 90 something percent of, of uh, participants said that they, that reflective practice was valuable in their clinical practice. Mm. And 70 something, a high 70 something percent said 
that they uh, believe it should be taught in music therapy, clinical education, or clinical music therapy, education and clinical training. Yeah. And only about 50% said that it was a part of their education and clinical training. So we're, we have a field full of music therapists that see the value, are practicing it regularly, say it should be a part of education, and only half of us are learning it. Yeah. Oh, like that's got mm. implications for our educators. So educators, listen up, <laughs> come talk to me and we'll collaborate Yeah, um, and make this happen. And well, and there's a, there's a giant asterisk there because some, a, a lot of comments did say, I learned this. I learned the concepts of what you're talking about here in my education. We just didn't call it that. So mm. there is that nuance as well. So I don't want to say like only half of us are learning it. More might be learning it and just not calling it that or giving it a term. So mm. I don't want to like, I'm not trying to like insult our education <laughs> systems or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it, it was an interesting takeaway though, for sure. I think also this is going to get kind of meta, but having the awareness that we are being reflective as opposed to a different type of recording or objective or whatever, like we having the awareness that we're able to have this reflective lens versus a different lens mm -hmm. is important for, you know, ourselves. So we then know how to apply the information we're reflecting on. It's important right. for when we are teaching others, supervising others, educating others. Again, I'm, I'm trying to think of it as a lens. You know, yeah. when we have and use this reflective lens, it's important to know that that's what we're doing um, in order to apply it fully. You're yes. Like, yes, it should just be part of our practice and it should just kind of like be built in and like it's spaghetti. But <laughs> also, yeah, knowing like, by knowing some people are doing it and doing it with intention, we can then say, okay, but not everyone is doing it. And how do we help them apply this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and something very interesting came about in the, uh, in the drawbacks. Where did that go? Um, I'm looking at my notes here. Perceived barriers. Here we go. Drawbacks. Um, some, uh, respondents said it responded with social considerations and <clears throat> excuse me the comments were that relationships with colleagues can suffer when I practice reflectively and they do not and yes. um, one person said two two people actually said they have they they have feelings of frustration with other music therapists who do not practice reflectively. Mm. And one person said that engagement in reflective practice can make you unpopular among music Ooh. therapists. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah. So yeah, but it is not, not everybody has the same opinion about it. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and it, that, that's a great like life example of what I'm saying, because, Hey, that other yeah. person might know reflective as a practice as a thing, but be choosing not to do it, or mm -hmm. they might just not know. 
And so by, by being able to say this person and I are clashing, why are we clashing? Oh, it's because I'm using this reflective lens and they aren't. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then can I like try and show it to them or is it, they're just rejecting it? Like, yeah, this is a whole other self-awareness on top of it to yeah. then help us reflect even more. It's like, like it's getting very meta. We're a layer. Yeah. Cake. We're no longer <laughs> spaghetti. We're like spaghetti cake lasagna. <laughs> I love it. I love food. Anytime <laughs> we can work in food, I'm all about it. Got you. Got you. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was very interesting to me. And I was like, oh, okay. So, and people just talked about like workplace issues in general, uh, being drawbacks, like reflective practice is not valued or supported in my workplace um, by my supervisor or colleagues. Like that's not my work culture, yeah. um, lack of physical space. Like I don't have anywhere to do it. I mean, some, some, a lot of people actually said I do it in my car between sessions, like in home-based care or on the way to, or from the office to like decompress and close out the day and, or whatever, or start the day, whichever. Um, but the time and uh, people said like, they feel isolated in the workplace and they just, that's a drawback because they don't have anybody to do it with. And they lack, um, just that peer support, I guess, which going, apparently I'm here to just talk about your peer support episode. (laughs) (laughs) They'll love that. I will let them know you guys. (laughs) Yes, definitely. If you haven't checked out that episode, check it out. If you haven't checked out the peer support network, check them out. Um, but I actually, now that we're in this, this particular topic, um, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a, a school I work at and I, it's a wonderful place. I love being there. Um, and recently, one of the staff members who I really meshed well with left. Aww. And it was because the team he was serving on, um, the, the long and short, now I could put words to it, the team he was serving on was not doing reflective practice. And he was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I, I can't, I can't work in this environment. Like, you know, I can't be trying to fix my things and fix all their things because they're not willing to reflect and improve. Uh Um, and that's really too bad that that was the reason he had to leave. Um, but yeah, that's, Mm. I'm just, thank you for giving me like words to put to that. Yeah. I I'm reflecting back now, of course, (laughs) layers, um, (laughs) real time reflection. Um, in my, that job where I was experiencing a lot of burnout, I was constantly, I, I'm a writer. I like to write. Even when I report, I like to write a, a very like detailed of like the, all the richness that happened in the session. Like this was a really cool hour and these are all the reasons, you know? Um, and I was constantly getting feedback that my reports were too long and I just needed to put it in a graph. Like, just put it in a chart, put it in a chart, put it in a chart. Like, if it, if it can't go in a chart, like, why are you even writing about it? And I'm like, because what is happening can't be put in a chart. Yeah, it's not quantitative. It's not quantitative because there's beauty and, ah, like, yeah. I just wanted to, like, shake somebody, you know? Um, and that, it was just so frustrating. And I tried to, and I would look back at my reports. I'm like, okay, it's too long. I need to take it out. I need to take it out. I need to take it out brevity is, is nice. (laughs) And being concise is not one of my strengths. (laughs) Um, so I was like trying to like, uh, I I don't know, I was trying to reconcile in my brain, like, and trying to improve myself, like 
okay, it's too long. It's too wordy. It's get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. And there's skill in that for sure. Um, but man, at the same time, I felt like I was cheating my client because I needed, I needed to document what happened and what they did. So I just started documenting separately and giving them what they wanted to see. I'll give you your stupid chart. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the data. Take it and leave. Exactly. I'm like, well, this is, I don't want to say meaningless. It's not meaningless. It's not meaningless. Let the record reflect. It's It's a limited perspective of what it was. Yes. It doesn't tell the whole story of what is happening in therapeutic context with this person who has skills and abilities and desires and creativity and goodness in them. And they cannot be minimized and diminished to a chart just because it fits on your paper and you like to see it. Like, ah, there's ethical (laughs) implications there too. Like, uh, just like power dynamics and healthcare, man, that's another episode. (laughs) Totally. Another systemic problem. Yes. Yes. (sighs) So many things. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh. I'm trying to think of anything else from the study. I was going to say, is there anything you want to, do you want to touch on before we do the rapid fire? Hmm. I guess additional thoughts people um, offered in the, like, just open-ended, tell me more, anything else that you said. Um, A lot of people said that this was missing from my educational experience. Um, And like, I now see how valuable it is in my career. Like now that I'm there. trying to see benefits. They listed a whole lot more benefits of self-care and connecting with your own music and personal growth and wellness. And, um, some, uh, a few people actually said this should be standard in practice and education. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people just said it's essential to best practice. Um, and a lot of people added there that they do engage in it, but didn't have the terminology to label it as such. And a lot of people just express desire to learn more and implement it. And that was really encouraging. So, uh, oh, and, well, and also I thought some really great, you know, nuances, like considerations came up and like people talked about privileged access to resources for, yeah. for reflective practice, such as time and networks and media. Um, one of the, one of the questions I really didn't get into the, re- the results of this, but one of the questions was how and when and how often do you engage in reflective practice and like with what media? Um, so I had a whole bunch of options <laughs> and people just like clicked whatever they want and I had other. So a ton of different things came up, music and art and uh, journaling and theater and dance and like movement, yoga, meditation, like all kinds of just, it was across the gamut. And it was really cool to see all the different ways sculpting um, really neat stuff. Uh, but somebody, you know, a, a few people made the recognition, you know, the important recognition that there's privilege wrapped into all of these things. Um, and if you have access to the resources for either external or internal resources for reflective practice, that's, and there are systemic issues in healthcare that do not support uh, reflective practice in the Western medical model because we value productivity over pausing, you know, 100%. 
Yeah. So, and yeah, so that's, um, that's in a nutshell what my research was about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will, I will link it and uh, any visuals okay. we have to share in the show notes, but I will make sure, you know, people who are finding this episode um, can get to it and Yay, get you know, even you. more of what you've put together. And also um, in a minute, I'll ask you about ways they can connect with you so that they can be ready when your book comes out. Yeah, no pressure or rush, but so, <laughs> you know, people will be ready. Yeah. Um, they'll be wanting to, to read that. Yeah. So, I'm currently trying to decide whether I want to break this up into like three or so manuscripts for publication, like in journals, or if mm-hmm. I want to keep it as a whole thing and make it a book chapter in the book. So that's mm-hmm. my constant struggle is like what to do with the with the product, you know, that I have and with the data and where, where it needs to go. So I don't know that will, that journey will continue to unfold for me. So, yeah, but I'll probably no see it at a answer. conference. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. This podcast is sponsored by the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, also known as MTPC, where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. All of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply model, where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet to determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice. You can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com, and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at MTPC's website, mtpodcastcollective.com. Make sure you also get on the MTPC newsletter for 10% off your first pod course purchase. Cool. Are you ready for the rapid fire? Yes. Okay. The first one is coffee or tea? Oh, I love both. Coffee. Right now, since I'm currently drinking coffee. (laughs) Well, you had a very long car ride this morning, so I can't imagine what time you had to get up. (laughs) I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. My sleeping schedule is weird right now. (laughs) I hope that um, minimizes the word that came to mind. I hope that uh, settles down for you soon. Yeah. (laughs) Early bird or night owl? Oh, this actually goes along with my sleep schedule weirdness right now. By nature, I am a night owl. I love my best work is done between the hours of 10 p.m. and 1 or 2 a.m. I love it. That's when I get my best ideas. I write weird, uh, like I write like really well in those hours. But I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old right now. And 
a full-time job that happens to be during the day. (laughs) So we have to, our schedule demands right now that I not be an night owl. And I, um, so we have to leave the house at 6.30 a.m. every morning to get the girls to daycare before I get to, you know, school and my partner gets to his job. And uh, so it's like, well, when you have to leave the house at 6.30, that means you have to get up at 4.30. And that means you need to be in bed the night before around like, you know, if the kids are in bed by like 7.30 to 8 and we're in bed shortly after. And so I, my schedule dictates right now that I be a morning person. <laughs> But naturally, and I want to get back to the stage of life sometime where I can be a night owl again, because that's where I do my best creative work. Mm. (laughs) Something you'd tell your younger self. Oh, so many things. (laughs) Take care of yourself. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay. It's okay to take care of yourself. <laughs> I would repeat it over and over and over. Yeah. Good one. Your music therapy elevator speech. Oh, goodness. Uh, it depends on who I'm talking to. Uh, if I'm talking to a doctor at the hospital that I run into, I'm going to cite some research. <laughs> I'm going to talk in very clinical terms about what we do and how we do it and how we meet the goals. And they're very individualized and uh, it's evidence-based and uh, I'll always give examples. Always. I'll usually just give the freshest one that magic that's happened, you know, yes. in my session. Um, if I can say something about one of the patients that we share, that's even better. <laughs> they know them. Uh, if it's a mom of a, you know, a kid that I work with, I'll, or, or a potential client, I guess I should say, like a mom of, some, of somebody, I'll um, maybe not so much like cite a bunch of research, but I'll just give like examples and talk about like whatever, whatever is closest to their experience. I will use that. And usually I'll say like, I'll ask them a question and kind of make it a conversation like, well, um, you know have you, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, you know, value music for, um, you know, motivation and like processing and stuff. Like, you know, everybody has, I shouldn't say everybody, but like a lot of people have like that song that really hits them. And they're usually like, yeah, it's blah, blah, blah for me. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So we'll do that and we'll take that and we'll work in the, you know, therapy. And I just kind of gear it towards whatever their experience is. Um, when I worked in the, I worked in acute psych, uh, acute mental health for a while. And that's, that's just my love. I love that setting. And so every day I would have to start my groups with, you know, who I am. Hi, I'm Melanie. I'm a music therapist. And, uh, what we do in music therapy looks a little different depending on the day. Sometimes we sing, sometimes we play, sometimes we talk about music and music is just a really important part of our lives. And we, engage in music in all kinds of different ways here in the group uh, to just meet our needs. So I'm interested in seeing where you all are today and what you need from the music. And let's just start with blah, blah, blah. Like improvisation is usually like the way I go to kind of do a check-in and see how everybody's doing and, and what they need from the music. Asking that question of what they need from the music, it's like, it's, I find it's not a question that a lot of people have thought of before. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, so it, it sets the 
tone and intentionality for the group. I find I don't do that every single time, but if the, if the moment feels right, I do that. So anyway, yeah, lots of different ways to describe music therapy, I guess, depending on who I'm talking to in the context. hundred percent. Your favorite self-care practice. <sighs> I really love going to church. <laughs> Yeah. participating in, in worship is a very important thing to me and connecting with my spirituality um, in particularly in the group setting. I'm very empowered by that. It um, is very meaningful for me. Yeah. And being with my kids, my family in general, like my husband, and my kids, they're just, I love it. Good for you. Something that's currently adding value to your life this this is adding value to my life (laughs) I this research has been very important to me and it's been I've been working on this research I started working on this research in 2018 (laughs) it's um I say I spent seven years in grad school I finished all of my coursework in 2018 and started on this research and I also had like three moves and two babies and a world pandemic and job changes and everything in between there. So like I've been doing a few things, just a few, (laughs) but but the, yeah, four years on one paper is a long time. So uh, it's really wonderful for me to be able to talk about the finished product and what it means to me and what it means for our field, not just to me, like there is, there's individual personalized meaning in it for me, but um, I think there's meaning in it for our field in, in general, as a whole community, um, because I'm seeing the needs of our clinicians and I want to help meet them. And that was when it wasn't within the scope of this study. It was not the solution finding, but I hope that it's the start of something because we don't know how to solve the problems if we don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it's just a really beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm really excited to like, talk about it. Like it's done and holy crap, it's done. <laughs> like I'm just still, I'm still in like disbelief that I actually finished it. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. And it's really important to me. So I just appreciate this platform uh, to talk about it. I'm just, this is adding value to my totally bask in it. Yeah. And we appreciate that you have done it to, to yeah. keep that momentum going, get it rolling for all of us. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite song or intervention to use in a session? I really love, mm. Mm. well, there's the, there's always the response that like, I'm basing it on client needs. So I don't really like, I'm not bringing something because I like it. I'm going to bring something because like it means it means. So there's the, there's the disclaimer. (laughs) Um, But I'm really attracted to the Moyo drum right now. Um, It's like the steel pan drum family. That's like a dome shape and it's like, it's really resonant. And I love pitched percussion in general. Um, and that one's just very resonant. And when sometimes I'll play it and do like a chant, uh, chanting kind of thing with the group, uh, sometimes we'll do like a call and response thing, um, just kind of using 
like mindfulness and being still and being in the music and using our voice and just so many wonderful things happening there. Um, or sometimes I'll pass it around the group and I can't really do that too much right now because of COVID. Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> passing things is not COVID friendly. Um, but in when COVID like is in a chill out phase and not ruining our lives. Um, I like to pass around the Moyo drum and let people actually play it themselves. And people like are very like kids, teenagers, adults, like so many people are responsive to the Moyo drum. So if you don't have one, get one. <laughs> I have, this is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> All right. Last question is where can the listeners find you and connect with you? I am... Uh, well, you can email me at M Wisehart. That's M W I S E H E A R T. Make sure there's an E in heart. Everybody leaves it out. <laughs> I blame people with the last name Hart that spell it H A R T. It's all their fault. <laughs> yes, definitely. M um, Wisehart with an E and H um, at W M Carey. Dot edu w-m-c-a-r-e-y dot edu i'm also on facebook and instagram and i'm on tiktok but I'd, i've never even made a video so <laughs> i literally only got on there because my niece posted or my sister posted a cute video of my niece one time and i was like oh i've got to see this so <laughs> created Lovely. an account but i've never made a video because i'm really self-conscious and i feel stupid when i do it <laughs> Social media is a weird place. Don't feel stupid. It really is. I enjoy watching other people. I just don't know. I'm maybe I'll come around. I don't know. You can I'm also not, just be an observer. Like, I like being an observer on TikTok. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, I will link that stuff too. So people cool. people can keep uh, up to date on all the awesome stuff you've been yeah. doing. But I, I really love to be friends with anyone. Yeah. Love um, that you came on the show and that you reached out and that you're doing this work. And I'm excited to see what else you uncover and how this positively impacts the trajectory of our profession. Um, mm. I think that this is really important stuff that will become um, mainstream is not the word, but like curriculum, like a standard curriculum yeah. will include this. Oh, um, now that you have like that. Yeah, something standardized for people to look look at. So thank you for mm -hmm. doing all that work. Thank you so much for appreciating it. <laughs> I do truly do. Thank you so much for tuning in to this uh, two-part conversation. I can't wait to see what literature Melanie puts together for this, um, or, you know, what format she chooses to use, because I think, just like I said in this episode, having this a little uh, standardized, I don't have a better word for that right now, but to have, hey, like this is reflective practice, this is what it's looking like, this is the counter implications and the benefits and blah, 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 having all of that stuff to look at, like hard data to look at. I think is going to help us all so much in, um, you know, how we are utilizing reflective practice, how we're teaching it and how it is going to help us continue to grow as a profession and as individuals. So 
I can't wait to see what this becomes and where it takes us. And I hope that you have learned a lot from this episode. Um, maybe had some aha moments just like I did. And yeah, thank you again for supporting the Music Therapy Chronicles. I appreciate you so much. Um, if you are interested in getting CMTEs for listening to the show and you want a discount on that, head on over to mtpodcastcollective.com. That's the Music Therapy Podcast Collective. That's where all of our pod courses live. And if you get on that newsletter, you can get a 10% um, discount on your first pod course purchase. So thank you again for tuning into this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self-care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already and follow us on social media for just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one.